nothing. And, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> just do it this way. has been smeared, uh, and the distortion of faith and identity, identity crisis that the world is facing, and their intolerance uh, to faith and the stand very particularly that Christianity has uh, in this arena. You generally, you generally don't hear any dismay with where Islam stands in relationship to homosexuality, lesbianism, gender identity issues. But boy, the moment you mention Jesus, you get all kinds of attention. Uh, we have many in our fellowship who have family members.
way when you leave this, uh, this evening, we'll see if some of those up, because there's lots of details in there. But let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 4. Uh, we, we finished Genesis chapter 4, but I want to backtrack because I, I want to, um, I want to comment on uh, a thought that I had last week that I didn't develop very well, or didn't develop in its totality, uh, and I mentioned uh, the names um, and how names have meaning. And let, let me let me qualify this with, uh, it's interesting because I shared with somebody this morning after service about the Hebrew language and the very construct of words in the Hebrew, uh, how they're even built. And each words are in kind of a triad of letters, and they have... Uh, oftentimes deeper meaning, but each of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, uh, are concept-based as well. So you have the normal syllable of the sound of the letter, like we do with our A, B, C, D, E, F, G, in the uh, alphabet that we have. Um, but their letters are built in with concepts. So like, for instance, the first letter of the alphabet in the Hebrew alphabet is Aleph. And its concept that it is built on is first or lead or leader. It's the first letter of the alphabet, and it carries with its meaning leader. Bet or Beth, the second letter, means house. So if you have A, B, Ab, it would be Head of house, or leader of house, or first in the house. Does that make sense? So it carries a concept, and you can actually, if you understand what those concepts are on each of the letters, you can actually discern some of the meanings of the names that are transliterated for us, not translated for us. You get what I'm saying? Uh, somebody said uh, the ha is the uh, is the spirit or the concept there for the ha is uh, spirit and if you take uh, the aleph and the beth and you put in the ha in between you you have the Hebrew word ahab and it is the essence is in the center or the central point the spirit. Uh, it's the spirit of the ha head of the house. Does that make sense? So the ha is the essence of the spirit, and you have the bet, the house, and you have the aleph, which is the head, and so you'd have the spirit of the head of the house. Well, in Hebrew, ahab is love. And so you have love is the essence or the heart of the head of the house. It's love. I think that's, I think that's cool. struck me this morning because while we were in Genesis 4 this morning, uh, I was considering Abel, and as I was actually reading it, I saw the Aleph and the Bet, and then the name of God. And Abel, by faith, offered a more excellent sacrifice. If you read his name, head of house, God. So for Abel, the head of his house was God. I thought, am I not pretty cool? That was pretty cool. And so I just thought that was really neat. And so it struck me because this, this past week as I reviewed chapter 4 again, and I, I probably went through chapter 4, oh, uh, probably four times again this past week. And uh, I had said last week that it was, there's a, there's a plausible and a possibility, and some theologians would hold that maybe Cain eventually repented. And I shared that same information last week and said, hey, there's a possibility that he repented. And we see in his great-grandsons the name of God at the end of this. Well, I did a little further research. 
to find out maybe what the meanings of these names are. And I, I actually heard a guy teaching on this. I, one of the guys that I like to listen to, I listened to his teaching on uh, Genesis chapter 4. And uh, he, had done the, he had done the work to discern what the names mean. And um, if the names have implications of where they actually were in terms of their lives, which in many cases in Scripture, the name of a person really is very depictive of their character and who they are. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me pick up in uh, chapter 4, the lineage of Cain, starts in verse 19. It says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, of Eden. And recognize that Nod really means wandered. So it's not, it's not necessarily a place initially. He, he may have been wandering. He may have been a wanderer, a vagabond. Remember, that was part of his curse, if you will. He would be a vagabond. Well, he's going to have a child and he's going to build a city. But it says, and Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. And remember, we talked a little bit about how this is that the agnostics and the atheists use this portion of Scripture to say, well, where did Cain get his wife? Clearly Adam and Eve were the only ones, blah, blah, blah. And we know that Adam and Eve had many sons and daughters. And there is a, there's a, there's a possibility that even before Cain was born, that they may have already had daughters at that point. All that being said, we know certainly afterwards they had many sons and many daughters. And they lived a long time, and we don't have the time element here. And having many sons and many daughters, they, she could have been having babies every year. She could have been having twins. She could have been having, in fact, early estimates from the ten generations from Adam to Noah would seem conservative estimates that there could have been as many as seven billion people on the planet. All one has to do is do a little bit of mathematics. And if you're familiar with logarithms, you will uh, discover that Populations can grow very rapidly. And recognize this too, that we don't want to you know, build too much into this, but the genetic defect in the gene pool, remember it started off perfect. It was, behold, it was very good. So there would have been no genetic defect. So the probability of children having issues would be very low. And so there wouldn't be like low mortality rates. They would be, I mean, it would, they, these kids would be vibrant and full. So the probability of conception would likely be high. Does that make sense? Okay. So anyway, stay with me. Okay. Uh, so Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he, Cain, built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And uh, Enoch, we'll discover also in chapter 5 as we get into chapter 5 tonight what Enoch means, but uh, Enoch... What does Enoch mean? I forget the name of Enoch. Let me look over in chapter 5 here because I wrote it down. Um, Enoch, oh, teaching or uh, principally. So not necessarily bad. Not a, not a bad name, if you will, in the lineage. But he bore Irad. Uh, Irad. His name means fugitive, literally, wild ass. Uh, so Cain, estranged from God, has a grandson who, if his name depicts his disposition, he's a wild man, a wild donkey. It's interesting interesting that eventually God refers to the nation of Israel as a wild donkey. That's, uh, you read about it in Jeremiah uh, chapter two, 1 or 2. Um, at any rate, uh, wild donkey. Irad begot Mehujil. And this is where you find the name of God in this, in this name. E-L at the end is the name of God. Well, the J-A, the Yah, is a representation of Yahweh, Jehovah God. And so, Mehujael 
name means blot out that Jehovah is God. So last week when I thought, hey, it's got the name of God in his name, I did a little further research and they're naming their kid. This wild donkey's naming his kid, blot out that Jehovah is God. It's, pro- it's probable that he is not a believer in Yahweh. Okay? Uh, let's go a little further. Um, he, he begot Mehujiel, and Mehujiel begot Methushiel. Not Methuselah, but Methushiel. Methushiel means uh, they who believe, they who believe, in God shall die. Now, yeah, it's it's interesting because if you if one would and again this is extra biblical reading, right, the Targum of Jonathan, but if you read that portion in this dialogue between Cain and Abel that's recorded, and incidentally, uh, for those I mean, we're students of the Word of God. I would encourage you, like for instance, I have on my library the Antiquity of the Jews, a three-volume set by Flavius Josephus, who was a first-century scribe who was uh, working for the Roman government, if you will, and he was a historian. And he's recorded, and his testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is extra-biblical, and he declares he saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. Well, undeniably, he's an eyewitness account of extra-biblical. And Josephus is um, is a noted, quoted historian. So the antiquity of the Jews, if you read his, what they would call the oral teachings that have been handed down from the rabbis, and you read this information, there's interesting stuff there. One of my favorite portions of literature is the dialogue that Josephus as a scribe, transcribed, transcribed, is that a word? (laughs) We have our own dictionary here at Hillside. Uh, He transcribed this dialogue between Abraham and Isaac on their way up the mountain. And that conversation of we have the wood and we have the fire. conversation between Abraham and his son. And his son is likely 30 to 40 years old at this point. Anyway, I say that to say these readings of the Targumim, whether it's the Targumim of, or Targum of Jonathan, Jerusalem, uh, Onkelos, or whatever, whichever one it is, there, there's value in reading it. You can't, we can't hold it as scripture, but there's value in reading it. We have to be careful. This is true. to say they that believe in God shall die. The conversation that the Targum of Jonathan and the Targum of Jerusalem record of the two boys' conversation, Cain was saying, and I said this this morning, that not only is there no judge, there's no judgment, and there's no life after this life. And Abel was correcting him and saying, no, there is judgment, there is a judge, and there's an afterlife, if you will. And here we find that this name in the lineage of Cain is would be highlighting potentially the disposition that Cain may have in fact had with his brother that whether you believe in Yahweh or not, you're going to die just like we are. And no one has knowledge of the afterlife, so those who believe, they die like us. I think that's interesting. Then Methushael begot Lamech, and this is a different Lamech. Uh, We'll see that Lamech also in uh, the lineage of Seth, but uh, Lamech means despairing. So this is interesting. Uh, We go from uh, the one who is blot out that Yahweh is God, then you know those who believe in Yahweh die, to 
despairing. You, you see, it spirals downhill. And then we come to Lamech, and Lamech, uh, he takes for himself two wives. And I mentioned last week, this is the first mention of polygamy. And it's interesting that his uh, one wife's name is Ada, which means ornament, and the other wife, Zillah, her name means shabby. And so one commentator noted that this would ring with the despairing. Uh, Jesus reminded us you cannot love and serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other or love this one and hate the other. And this polygamy is not God's best design and it never will be. For the attention will be for one who will be the ornament and the other will be considered in part shabby. And I reference that because we think oftentimes in our culture, even in the church, well, there's no polygamy, um, but there are divided hearts. They may not have marriages per se, but there are divided hearts. Do you know that 48% of Americans download pornography onto their computer? Actually download it. Not even watch it. I mean, literally download it. I think it's 15% of everything that's on the Internet is pornography. 15%. It's a billion-dollar industry. But it's not, even, it's not even necessarily the sexual piece of it. People are divided in their hearts materially. What people worship. Here's, again, this is, we don't know that this is all what's transpired, but if these names are indicative of the disposition of the individual, if nothing less, it's telling us a story. If nothing less, it's, there's a warning. There's a challenge for us. Don't be divided hearts. Paul tells Timothy, uh, be a one-woman man, a one-woman man, single-minded, right? I mean, that's, that's important. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, single-minded, even in our worship, lordship relationships. How many Christians are spending their time bowing their knee to something other than Christ in idolatry? Uh, Ezekiel, God spoke to Ezekiel and said, son of man, put a hole in the wall. Look through the hole. What do you see? And he saw 70 of the religious leaders of the day burning their incense before the wall of their imagery. The word for imagery there is where we get the word imagination. How many followers of Christ today in their imagination are bowing down to some form of idolatry? Tragic. And so I, I see with, with Lemek, it's despairing, depressing uh, to have a divided heart. A kingdom divided against itself, what? Cannot stand. So, Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. And uh, livestock there means livestock. It also means possessor or producer. He's a producer, self-sufficient, and he's dwelling in tents. So, he's not living amongst the people. He's an isolated guy, maybe, but he's a producer. He's self-sufficient. He's able, with his possessions, to do it on his own. Now, that's interesting. Because in the society, they were interdependent with barter systems and all that kind of stuff. So if his name is indicative, he, here's, here's perhaps the birth of materialism. More, more, more. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. And what do we find happening in today's society? The further we go toward the things of the flesh, away from God, blotting out that Yahweh is God, it becomes despairing. We have divided hearts, and we begin to focus on the wrong things. 
material stuff, non-kingdom-minded, and think, well, if these names are actually indicative of the lineage of Cain, no wonder Jude, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said not to go the way of Cain. Right? It gets worse. His brother's name was Jubal. So you have Jabel and Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. Think about entertainment. Right? Music. Think about what the world idolizes. Right? Musicians, music. I saw a commercial recently on television, and it was there's some something's coming up, but it was referencing the millions of downloads of music, and it was something for the I think the country music channel. But anyway, and they were just they had this little scrolling number, and it was up in the hundreds of millions, and you know this just people downloading, and it's just it's this whole genre, e- even in the church, the worship of worship music. these others are doing it for the Lord too, I'm sure. But I, I, I guess I struggle and we'll go there. The worship of worship. Um, music. People chasing music. Okay, but it gets worse. So you have uh, the possession, materialism, self-sufficiency. I can do this on my own. That's Jabel. Then you have Jubal who's like entertainment. Uh, music, music, music. And, and the implication here is music And as for Zillah, shabby, uh, she bore Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. The, uh, the actual translation, I think the authorized version calls it a cutting tool, cutting implement. Uh, used for war. Well, he who has the best tools for war, what? of power. What are the endeavors that people are endeavoring for in the flesh today? Wealth, power, knowledge, that's not necessarily referenced here, but uh, these are interesting things and in, in endeavoring after the flesh. So I just think it's very interesting. Can we, can we say that this is uh, you know, some kind of a doctrine or anything? No, no, no. This is, uh, this is a possibility if the name carries with the persons what the name implies, you can see certainly that his lineage, which I think, and I would encourage you as you read the Word of God, when you see a detail in Scripture that's given and it doesn't seemingly have an immediate understanding, you should wonder why is it there. Why is this here? I mean, why would we have the lineage of Cain? For crying out loud, as soon as Noah comes, they're going to be all wiped out anyway. So I, in fact, I even said to the interns probably three weeks ago, I said, I'm confused as to why the lineage of Cain is included in Scripture. But it's, it's just, it's interesting to me. And that with a, you know, three weeks later, I'm looking at it and thinking, hmm, maybe there's some warnings in here, right? Don't go after the way of Cain. Here's what transpired, right? Tonight we were going to be in chapter 5 and might even get into chapter 6. And we are moving into chapter 5. We're moving into section 3 of the book of Genesis. It's going to be the genealogy, if you will, of Adam. And it's going to be a recap from Adam to Noah. And the next section, section 4, will be the genealogy of Noah. Did I say Noah? I meant Adam. Uh, it's Adam first, then Noah. And what really, this section goes from 5-1 up to 6-8. Uh, and then we have the genealogy of Noah beginning in 6-9, which is really section 4, if you will, 
uh, divided up in the genealogy. Um, so let's pick up in chapter 5. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made man in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. <coughs> now, let me stop here for a minute. It can be confusing. In 130 years, one might question, well, if they had many sons and daughters, did they just have daughters between the time of Abel's death up until the time that Seth was born. What we're finding, and you'll find in Scripture, is certainly in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, it's really the history of the world, the history of the ethnos of humanity, and then it's all pointing to a people that will all be pointing to a, a man. So only the necessary details to get us there are going to be what is highlighted in the scripture. Does that make sense? So it says that he had a son at 130 years in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Adam walked with God. He sinned. Yes, he did. But he also was atoned for. And it's very likely that he continued in his relationship with the Lord. Seth seemed to be in that same demeanor. I say that simply to say there may have been many other sons and daughters between Abel and Seth. Okay? Um, Adam, his name years and begot a son in his own likeness and named uh, after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of, uh, that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Let me stop here for just a moment. Remember when God gave the commandment, he said, uh, do, you can eat of all the trees in the midst of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, do not eat of it, for in the day that you do, you shall what? Surely die. He died a spiritual death at that point. And it necessitated for all men. Remember, Adam was bara Elohim. He was a direct creation of God. He is, in fact, a son of God. and he died spiritually. Something died that would need to be born again so that all men, after Christ, could be also bara Elohim, born again, born of the Spirit. Okay? Well, it's interesting to note, Psalm 90 tells us that one day is as a thousand years as a thousand years is one day. Peter quotes that in his letter under the inspiration of the Spirit that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. How old was Adam when he died physically? 930 years old. The day he ate the fruit, he died to the Lord. Day one. Does that make sense? I think that's, I don't think that's by accident. when we studied the book of Genesis early on in the first chapter, uh, I disclosed to you that I believe that the seven day, the six days of creation and the seven day of rest, uh, as many first, second, and third century uh, Christ followers believe that those are prophetic in their nature as well. A man has, man's number, if you will, is six, and uh, 
we're going to be here for about 6,000 years, and the seventh day will be the day of rest or the millennial reign of Christ, right? And so in the day that he ate it, he died, day one. Interesting to me. Uh, verse 6. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. Enosh means mortal, frail, feeble. So we'll go with mortal. And the reason, the reason we're going to highlight the names tonight, and we've done this before, um, and we'll, Matt, Matt will be preaching out of chapter 5 next Sunday. He'll likely reference this as well, so you're getting a preview if you've not heard this before. But in chapter 5, we have the genealogy, if you will, of Adam from Adam to Noah. And we have these names, but there's also in the names a message. And uh, the message is a beautiful picture of God's plan and purpose. So we'll, we'll look at this. So we have man, we have Seth, which means appointed, and we go back to chapter 4, where remember when Eve gave birth to Seth, she says, God has appointed me another man. And so Seth means appointed. Um, and now he has uh, given birth to Enosh. Enosh means a mortal, frail, feeble. And uh, so we'll go with that mortal. And after he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. Canaan means sorrow or dirge. Um, elegy. Sorrow. We'll go with sorrow. Um, so Canaan, sorrow. After he begot Canaan, sorrow, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Now let me stop here for a moment, verse 11. Let me ask this question. Does it seem unusual that these folks are living a long time? I mean, 930 years, uh, that's, that's a long time. Today, people live, uh, let me quote this right, 70 years, just by way of strength, 80, and yet some will make it to 100, 105, 110. I, I don't know even how old the oldest person on the planet is right now, but I think it's right at 109 or 110 or something. Anybody know that? It was 114. Okay, I, I mean, it's, it's an unusual, but I mean, you, that's like, you know, one in a billion, one in seven billion, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. Um, and so just those of us who have the belief that we are a young earth, and there's a, remember, we talked about it on Sunday night, one of those theories, if you will, of God's creation is the canopy theory, if you will. And we talked about how God separated the waters below from the waters above, and he called the expanse of sea and sky. And there's the belief that there was a vapor canopy that was where the source for the water to fall from the sky came in the time of Noah, which was forthcoming. And uh, remember, it hadn't rained upon the surface of the earth, but a mist would rise up and water the ground. Uh, if there was, in fact, a vapor canopy when we had that conversation Remember that vapor canopy would be translucent so you'd be able to see through it, but it would be a barrier just like your sunglasses that you might buy at the local gas station when you're driving down the road and the sun is blinding and you're driving into the sun. You realize you don't have your sunglasses. You go buy a $1.99 pair of sunglasses, but you look for the little sticker on the glasses that say what? UV protective. It keeps the UV rays out because... The UV rays travel at a different wavelength than the infrared and luminiferous portions of light, which travel in long waves, and the UV traveling in short waves don't pass through. And so what is 
what is that which is causing you and I to become frail faster? We're going to become we're becoming more like Enos quicker. We're getting frail quicker. It's the exposure to UV rays from the sun. The absence of UV rays, what happens? Shrinks a bit. Now this is very interesting. First of all, in the animal kingdom, animals continue to grow. So the probability of having larger animals is higher probability. With a vapor canopy all the way around the earth, you would have a universal temperature within the sphere. It would be a greenhouse effect, if you will. So the warmer temperature for the reptilian-type animals would give the proper viscosity for blood to travel from a heart that's down here up to a, for instance, a giraffe that has an 11-foot neck. You ever wonder what happens to a giraffe with his blood when he's standing up all day long? Giraffes only sleep a half hour a day. <laughs> 30 minutes a day. <laughs> that's crazy. 30 minutes a day, and they, and they sleep standing up. <laughs> all right, I'm done. And they move on. But, you know, they have to drink water. And so they spread their legs out, and then they take that 11-foot neck and drop it down. All of a sudden, the blood can flow very rapidly. This is a problem for evolution. But he has a mechanism built in him that has valves that close off the, the flow of blood to his brain reservoir it so that when he pops his head up, if, if he's in danger and he has to pop his head up fast, the blood that's in the reservoir, another set of valves open up and it flows in so he doesn't have a head rush or a loss of blood and pass out. Anyway, there's all kinds of mechanisms that are working on this. Well, I say that to say, uh, if the universal temperature, the blood would be able to flow, it would be the proper viscosity and so it would be able to flow and be pumped, etc., etc. So, these are living longer. And I believe it's because there are those UV rays were being we were being protected early on as the flood, the water canopy was gone, and people began to live shorter and shorter. Here's an interesting thought. The book of Revelation tells us in the future that a third of the sun will be darkened. And during the millennial reign of Christ, people will live longer. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 65, a man will be considered an angel, an infant, if he dies at 100. Anyway, just interesting. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Uh, okay, so where do we go? Uh, verse 12. Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahalalel. Say it with me. Mahalalel. Mahalalel. <laughs> well, I, I didn't hear that, but... <laughs> Mahalalel uh, means, and again, it has the name of God in his name, right? Uh, the blessed God. Mahalal means blessed. Mahalalel le means blessed God. So Mahalalel, blessed God. After he begot blessed God, or Mahalalel, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan... 910 years and he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years and begot Jared. Uh, Jared is actually a Hebrew verb. The Hebrew verb means uh, it's uh, uh, yared, or yard, uh, and it means shall come down. Shall come down. It is a, it's a Hebrew verb. So after he begot shall come down, or Jared, Mahalalel, Blessed God lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. Verse 17. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. Jared shall come down, lived 162 years and begot Enoch. Now let me stop here for a second. But does anybody here know who the oldest man in the Bible is? Methuselah. Does anyone know how old Methuselah is? 969 years, yet Methuselah died before his father. He's the oldest man.
it was in the Bible, but he died before he came. His father didn't die. His father is Enoch. <laughs> right, okay, so a little play on words, a little pun there. Um, okay, so we have Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. Incidentally, Enoch, that means teaching. Um, I think I mentioned that already, didn't I? But it, okay. Um, 800 and lived 800 years and had many sons and daughters. Verse 20. So all the days of Jared were 962 years. And he died. So he's like the second Jared, right? He's the, he almost makes it to Methuselah. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Methuselah is a compound word, muth and shalah. Death is muth, and shalah is shall come, if you will, or um, after his death shall bring, or his death So this is interesting. His death shall bring. That's what his name means. The year that Methuselah dies is the year that the flood comes. In the year that he dies, his death shall bring. His name is prophetic, if you will. Now here's something that I think is fascinating. Methuselah, his death shall bring. His death shall bring judgment. All flesh will be destroyed except for the apes that are upon the ark. His death shall bring. Prophetically, he's the one who lived the longest. That's a testimony of the grace of God. God, not wanting any to perish, kept giving more and more and more and more opportunity. I think that's what the New Testament tells us about the long-suffering of our Lord, right? He doesn't want any to perish, that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, so we have, again, a pattern of the character of God. Um, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. He was raptured. Hebrews tells us it's appointed for man to die once and face judgment. Enoch was not like that. Many theologians believe that the two witnesses that come during the days of tribulation, the great tribulation and revelation uh, that Enoch may in fact be one of those witnesses uh, because they will be slain in the street and left in the street for a number of days and be resurrected. <coughs> Possibly. I think it's keen. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Adam walked with God. Um, I think there's even in his name is a challenge for us to walk with God, to walk with him. His name is key, right? He's teaching. Walk with God. Walk with God. And are we eagerly anticipating and longing for the translation of our own names, uh, whether by death, as we sang just a few moments ago in the hymn, uh, or the rapture of the church? crowns and the dead in Christ rise and we who are alive and remain caught up to meet the Lord in the air and thus we will be with the Lord forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this mortal will put on immortality, this, this, uh, th this uh, corruption will put on incorruption. Come on, right? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Praise God. Okay. Um, let's see. Enoch, again, 365 years, Enoch walked with God and was not, for not, God took him. Verse 25, Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. Again, we know Lamech from previous, meaning despairing. 
And incidentally, we still have a root word or a word in our English vernacular. It's a book in the Bible, Lamentations, but to lament, if you will. So despairing and lamenting. Uh, after he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. Now this is interesting because Lamech, we'll find out in just a moment, Lamech lived 777 years. He dies five years later, Methuselah dies, and that's when the flood comes. So Lamech had just died, Methuselah. And here's the interesting thing. Noah, excuse me, Adam was alive when Lamech was born. Just wrap your head around this for a moment because I love this kind of stuff. Adam walked with God in the garden before there was no sin. Do you think that he may have learned a few things from God about all that was on the earth? I, I have a sneaky suspicion he had a little bit of information. Let's put it this way. His vocabulary was considerably larger than yours and mine. For he named all the animals. Now today, just today, and scientists believe that at least half of all kinds of animals are now extinct. There are at least 18,000 different kinds. If science statistics are correct, and about half of them have been extinct, it would have been 36,000. There's not anybody in this room tonight who has 36,000 words in your vocabulary. And Adam named all the animals. I mean, just the sheer vast amount of time that would have taken, right? That's, that's crazy. And uh, so all that to say, he had information. He had information how things worked. Do you know that to this day there are things that we cannot figure out? Like how did they get the stones at Stonehenge? It is a mystery. How did they build the pyramids? It is a mystery. Now, we may technologically, and I say may, we may technologically be further where we can take silica and make chips and all that kind of stuff and have, you know, a, 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 a computer now that we can put talk in it, so to speak. But we can't figure out how to move big stones. We're not talking about rocket science. This might be rocket science. That is not. That's rock science. Incidentally, you know, geology rocks. Sorry, thanks, Tony. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Methuselah, all the days of Methuselah, verse 27, were 969 years when he died. In the year that he died, the flood came. So, you, you know, down the line we're going to get there. Uh, now then, verse 28. Lamech lived 178, excuse me, uh, 182 years and had a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord had cursed. So Noah means comfort, rest. Okay? So we have ten names from Adam. And we left off uh, in verse 30, so I'll come back to verse 30 through 32. We, left, uh, we have Adam to Noah, ten generations. Um, here's what their names transliterated, excuse me, from the transliteration to the translation of the names reads this way, if you would put them in a sentence. Man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down, Teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort. Five stanzas. Man appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down. Teaching his death shall bring the despairing. new under the sun. Many theologian types have 
how I know it's been written about this, you can you could probably do a little Google search and you'd find you know probably 25 different guys who have uh, written about this. Uh, it's to me again the question. Uh, oftentimes, why do genealogies recorded in the New Testament make you engage in conversations about or conflict over in this genealogy? And yet, this particular genealogy is concise. We have it repeated for us in the New Testament. Uh, when we when we look at Dr. Luke's genealogy, he takes us all the way back to Adam. And from Adam all the way up to uh, David, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's spot on, at least as we know it, for sure, in this portion. And um, there's a message here for us. And I think, it, I think that there's a prescription, if you will, and a reminder that the volume of the book, Psalm 40 tells us, is written of him. It's pointing to our Messiah. And it's telling us, even in the name, that there is a Messiah to come. So we've seen it. In fact, if we could look for Jesus on every one of the pages that we're reading, if you will, we found that proto-evangelum in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the promise of the Savior, we see that even Eve thought, in fact, uh, Schofield's Bible tells us a little bit further that when she made the declaration, the Lord has given me a man-child. Its its actual translation is, I have received a man-child, even the Lord. She thought Cain was going to be the deliverer. So uh, we look for page, but there is certainly um, that explanation that it is the Lord that will be the deliverer, right? Okay, uh, so let's uh, read these last few verses. After he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Chapter 6, we didn't have time. Oh, we've got five minutes. Um, tell you what we're going to do. Let's hold off. <laughs> we better hold off. I'm going to read. I'm going to read the first uh, eight verses. Uh, this is heavy uh, because the implications uh, are big. Uh, this is where we'll read about the sons of God coming and having relations with the daughters of Adam or the daughters of man. Uh, so the big questions are, who are the sons of God? Who are the daughters of Adam or the daughters of man? Uh, we, we are introduced to a group called the Nephilim. Uh, Nephal is the Hebrew word, and it means fallen ones. And so the Nephilim, it's plural, it is the fallen ones. Uh, who are they? We translate them in several translations, giants, and that comes from another Hebrew word that sounds like giants in the transliteration, but uh, may in fact not mean giant, might mean something entirely different. But this is a portion of scripture that has caused heads to spin and people to be very excited in conversation and uh, implications are tremendous. So I'm going to read it because we have a few moments. And then I'm going to invite you over the next week to do a little bit of research. Uh, I would invite you to do your research in places that are not just random Google searches. Because <laughs> you'll find a whole host of stuff. Uh, go to Blue Letter Bible Study. Look at some of the commentaries. Click on the commentaries in the left-hand column. I always, when I go to blueletterbible.com, if you've not been there, uh, they've updated their site about five years ago. Uh, but up in the upper left-hand corner, you can click and go to the Blue Letter Bible Classic, which I actually love. And on the left-hand side, it has a column with all these Bible helps. Please click on commentaries. It brings up about 30 different men of God. Uh, and there's sermons in there. You can read their, their, their sermon material associated with this portion of Scripture. Uh, there's like Matthew Henry's commentaries on there and other commentaries. It's just a great resource. And you can do a little bit of research. On Genesis chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 8. And if you come with a little bit of knowledge, that conversation will, will, will have either A, questions, or B, it will help bring clarity, if you will. So I invite you to do that. But let's read, and then we'll, we'll conclude tonight. It says, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply 
on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Seems like the women didn't have much choice here. Verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty, excuse me, the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, it's interesting to note, and I'll just forward you to verses 11, excuse me, to verse 11. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. There's four conditions that we were just introduced uh, in terms of the earth. It says the Lord saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth. Verse 1. Then he goes on to say, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Think about that. Intent of the heart, evil continually. Verse 11, the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So four conditions. These four conditions are not unlike what we see in the world today. Intent of man's heart, only evil Man's invention of wickedness Paul tells us in his letter to Timothy men, men, men will not put up with truth in the last days and they will be inventors of wickedness listen some that even felt that potentially sex could have been uh, Melchizedek. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think so. I'd have to do the lineage again, but he, he wasn't on the list. Because the New Testament affirms that we're eight in all, but it says uh, yeah, so it, you know, he, if, he, if he died before the flood, I'd have to do the, the lineage. I have, it, I, I have it on my little sin iPad. Uh, I did it like a half a dozen times anyway. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, all flesh is destroyed, except for Abel and all the animals that were made. No, no, no. Adam was alive when Lamech was born. Lamech lived up until five years. His 777 years put him five years before Methuselah died. So Methuselah would have been 564 still alive when Lamech was born. He, and there were only a few, a few years in there where they could have potentially had any kind of conversation. But imagine, this is the point I feel like we're making with Paul's letter, is here's Adam who walked with God, had all this information. He's disseminating all that information through these men, and I believe particularly this lineage of his genealogy. He's transferring this information so that when Noah gets on the boat, guess what he has? He's got a wealth of information. He's carrying books. He's got stuff. There's information, knowledge. Wouldn't it be great? Give me a little side thing. Wouldn't it be great if we really found Noah's Ark? 
there were preserved in Noah's Ark. Some of the writings that go back to Adam. That was Would we be able to translate? I don't think so. Did they speak Hebrew? <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for, uh, Lord, tonight as we look at the names and what the names mean, they're not translated for us, they're transliterated, and um, it's not necessarily defining who these people were and what these people did, uh, but it certainly paints a picture for us, and it, it does give us lessons. I mean, even looking at Enoch and his name meaning teaching, and his life is teaching us something, because he walked with God. And that is something to be attained, something to be grasped, something to be pursued, something to be striving after. And so, Lord, uh, we take this information, and it, and it really is information. And Paul tells us in uh, the first letter to the Corinthians that knowledge covers. And, Lord, it's not just for the purpose of information. Lord, I, when, I, when I consider these things and I see the intricacies of your name and uh, of, of your word and names and even just the structure of the Hebrew language and that's the language that we see when we have the scriptures written in the Old Testament uh, the majority of them it's fascinating to me to find that each of the letters have uh, a concept associated with them and we discover uh, much in just the names and so Lord help us to help us to grow not for the purpose of just having information but to apply in our lives and really to be taught by the Word of God and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, to inspire us to dig further and to, to learn more and to um, have a greater understanding of your love and your grace, your grace and your mercy shown toward us. The very nature that we read just a few moments ago. But Noah found grace from you. You had grace. Lord, it's your character that is grace. And so, Lord, we desire to know you better. We love you. We ask your blessing and benediction on our portion here. And that we would have an amazing week in Jesus. We love you. And we ask it in your name. Amen, amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior.